Satan is proud and selfish, Jesus is humble and a servant. It's the opposite of what we see in culture. It's the absolute, we live in a culture where the goal is to make enough money and get enough fame that everybody serves you. We think of pride as a virtue. Well, our, our world, pride is a virtue. We have pride parades. I've never seen the humility pride. Mm -hmm. We tell kids they need to have self-esteem. Yeah. We, we don't tell them they need to have other esteem. I mean, Satan has done a really good marketing job taking pride and turning it into self-esteem and a, a virtue and not a vice. And the God that we worship was worshiped by angels, served by angels and divine beings in heaven, came down to wash feet and to serve us. Hi friends, this is the Real Marriage Podcast with Mark and Grace Driscoll. Our story is not perfect, our marriage is not perfect, but thankfully our God is perfect. Welcome back to the Real Marriage Podcast. Today we're talking in the context of spiritual warfare, pride and humility. I wanted to start by giving folks a little bit of a glimpse into the latter years for your Uncle John and your Aunt Gladys. This is your turn. This is where you say something. <laughs> oh, I thought I was going to talk on humility. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's very humble of you. No, <laughs> uh, tell us about John and Gladys. <laughs> well, they were my great aunt and uncle, and they um, were very busy. People worked, didn't have kids. They did invest in me and my sisters a lot. And in their later years of marriage, they they had been married over 50 years. And was he like a grandpa to you? You really didn't have a grandpa he figure? He was a grandpa to me um, because both my grandpas had passed and he invested in my life and spent time with me and um, was just a fun person in my life. And so in their later years of marriage, um, she got Alzheimer's. How long were they married for? Over 50 years. Wow. Yeah. So it had been... A lifetime together and they were friends. And so it was very sad because it, it came on and it came on quickly. And he was, as I remember him, I mean, he adored you mm -hmm. like a granddaughter that he didn't have. So he, mm -hmm. he loved you like that. And he always told me, you know, hold Grace's hand, make sure you love her, look out for her. I mean, he would, he was always one. coaching he, tips. Little coaching tips, like <laughs> he adored you. And he wanted to make sure as he got older that, you know, I was stepping up and looking out for you. And I always appreciated that. So they'd been married 50 years. And then when that pivot happened and Alzheimer's hit, did she even remember him? No, she didn't know who he was. It was really sad because they'd obviously spent over 50 years together and she literally had no idea who he was. And so he would go and visit her every morning after he ate breakfast. He would take her a bowl of fruit and go visit her. And then in the afternoon, he would go again every day for so years. So he, he rented an apartment. When we first got married, uh, we worked at hotels. She worked at the Hilton. I worked at the Marriott. And your Uncle John lived right there between yeah. those two hotels. And so he was a bachelor. He didn't cook. He would come over to the Marriott pretty much every morning for breakfast. And he was always, he would always order a side of fresh fruit to take to Gladys at the retirement home. Mm -hmm. And so every day, twice or more a day, he would go visit his wife in the retirement home. And she had no idea who he was. Yeah. And he had no children to help him. He always said... I never had children because I could never bear them. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted kids. He was a jokester and he was just a happy guy. And so to not have his wife to join him in that joy in those later years was tragic for him. Well, and he would go in and sit down and she would ask questions like, who, who are you? Why are mm -hmm. you here? Mm -hmm. um, and he would say, I'm, I'm, your, I'm your husband, John. 
And I remember he had a photo, a wedding photo of them in her room. Mm -hmm. And I remember he would explain to her, that's you, that's me, this was our wedding day. And so twice, at least twice a day, he would tell her who he was and the story of their 50 plus year relationship. Mm -hmm. And he did this faithfully. I mean, every day to the end. I forgot all about it till right now. I'll cry just thinking about it until he passed away. Do you remember that day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had um, fallen and we went to visit him and he had died. And we found him deceased. Mm-hmm. I stayed with Uncle John the night before he passed, the night before rather we got married when he was still alive. My family had relatives in town. You and I were getting married and heading off to college. And so we didn't have a place, you know, in the city where we were getting married. So he's like, well, Mark, you can come stay with me. And so I stayed with him the night before our wedding. And I remember he sat me down and he he was he was very loving. He adored you. And he's like, okay, you need to love Grace. You need to serve Grace. No matter what happens, Mark, you got to be devoted to her. You need to look out for her. You can't be selfish. And this is the guy who twice that day went to love the woman that didn't even know who he was. Mm-hmm. He was a great example. He was a great example. And I, I remember sitting in a chair in his uh, living room after we had that conversation and he went to bed and I stayed up to read the scriptures and pray. And uh, I remember sitting in uh, his chair, he since passed away and here we are doing our podcast in my office. His chair is in my office just to remind me of that conversation that I had with your uncle John and the example that he was. And and the reason we share that story with you, and I'll never forget, we walked in because his uh, apartment door was unlocked and open, mm-hmm. just cracked. And I remember telling you, what, what's going on? Honey, you stay outside. I'm going to go in. Uh, you know, you don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. We found him. He, he died. Mm-hmm. So we found him. Yeah. But the thing that I so appreciate about Uncle John, and this leads into our discussion, was that he was a servant. Even though his wife didn't know him, he served her. Mm-hmm. Even though once he walked out the door after visiting her, she would not remember that he had been there, he went to serve her. I remember he would bring her fresh fruit. He would visit with her. He would brush her hair. He would bring her gifts and flowers. And there was no benefit for him of any sort or kind. No, no earthly benefit. No benefit whatsoever. This woman would not remember him or what he had said or done. Yet every day he would repeatedly faithfully serve her. And so, you know, I want to honor your Uncle John and set that as an example that oftentimes when we think of spiritual warfare in marriage, um, we don't think of things like pride mm. versus humility. No, we think of pride as a virtue. Well, our, our world, pride is a virtue. We have pride parades. I've never seen the humility pride. Mm-hmm. You know, we tell kids they need to have self-esteem. Yeah. We, we don't tell them they need to have other esteem. Right. I mean, Satan has done a really good marketing job taking pride and turning it into self-esteem and a, a virtue and not a vice. Mm-hmm. Yet the heart of the demonic is pride. That pride is ultimately what caused the downfall of Satan and the destruction of human history. Uh, God says this in Ezekiel 28.2, thus says the Lord God, he's speaking to Satan, the leader of the insurrection and rebellion, your heart is proud. That's the problem. Your heart is proud. And he says, as a result, you have said, I am a God, I sit in the seat of the gods. When you're proud, you want to be treated like God. You want everyone to serve you. You want to be the center of attention. You want everyone to obey you. All you think of is yourself. All you think of is yourself. So humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Something C.S. Lewis stated that. We're not sure who did, but it's a great definition of pride versus humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Mm-hmm. The problem with Satan is he stopped thinking about God. He, start, he stopped thinking about other angels and divine beings. And he got up every day and he thought, it's about me. I should be the center of the universe. I should sit in the seat of authority. People should honor and obey me. I should get my way. And the truth is that same stronghold, and I'll call it a demonic stronghold of pride, it exists in all of us. Absolutely. And it was the destruction of Satan's relationship with God and the other divine beings, and it's the destruction of our relationship with God and one another. And so for those of you who are hearing this, you may be thinking, what does spiritual warfare have to do with marriage? Here's the question. How proud are you? And the question is not, are you proud? We all are. We all are. We're selfish. And I think the selfishness and the pride shows up in marriage unlike anywhere else. Because when we get married, we think, you exist to make me happy. You exist to fulfill my dreams and destiny. You should obey me. You should serve me. You should thank me. You should make me the priority. And if two people come into marriage with that attitude, it's death. Yeah. So I'll just ask you off the cuff, if you had to make a list of things that you hate, what would make that list? Feet. (laughs) Feet? My wife hates feet. That is an awkward answer. I don't think they saw that coming. Um, I don't think that I'm going to get a foot massage until the resurrection of the dead and all is perfected. That's true humility. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. So so when you think of true humility, you think of Jesus washing the disciples' feet? Yes, I do. Yeah. So, okay, we're down a rabbit trail here, but we got nothing else to do. You hate feet, but you love shoes. Yes, because they cover feet. Oh, because they cover feet. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So feet would make your list of things you hate. Mm -hmm. What an odd list, cutie. Uh, What else would you add to the list of things you hate? I hate when people lie to me. I hate, um, yeah, any kind of dishonesty, betrayal. Um, I hate even like when I do things wrong, I hate (laughs) doing things wrong and making mistakes. Um, I hate seeing destruction in marriage. I hate um, seeing kids unloved and uncared for. Proverbs 6, there are six things the Lord hates. So God has a hate list. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. I just think that's funny. God's, God's like, this dude's like, there's six. Or what, what? Then the Lord spoke. He's like, no, there's, there's seven. <laughs> so, um, and number one is what? Number one, top look. of the list, pride, pride. We the, all know that look, the proudful. The proud look. And it's, you know, you either spend your time looking up to God or looking down on others. Mm-hmm. Humility is what happens when you look up to God. Pride is what happens when you look down on others. Humility is knowing our place. Yeah, and it's under God and it's under authority. And and what happens in pride is it is something that God hates because um, the the church father, Augustine, he said that pride is like a mother who is pregnant with all other sins. Mm -hmm. Under all sin is pride. It's the root. It's the root of it all. If this is a demonic problem that started with rebellion in heaven, and then it comes to earth and it attacks our marriages, starting with our first parents, Adam and Eve, who experienced the first human spiritual warfare. What does pride look like? How does it manifest itself in the context of a marriage with a husband and a wife? Well, I think Eve had pride when she decided to take of the fruit and not consult with God or her husband. So independence mm-hmm. is a form of pride? It can be, yeah. You know, radical independence. And we mm-hmm. that, that's a, we're a culture that 
loves independence. Mm -hmm. So if we're acting independent of God and our spouse, that's pride. We're supposed to be one, so that doesn't mean we're independent. (laughs) Yeah, we're dependent. Other ways that pride manifests itself in a marriage context. Um, I think for women specifically, um, yeah, again, we think we know best. We we want to act apart from the family unit, apart from our marriage, um, thinking that we've got this and we don't need help. Self-sufficiency? Yeah, we need help and that's okay. That's not a bad thing. Well, Jesus said he was going to send a helper. That's right. We have the Holy Spirit as our helper. So and the Holy Spirit help. isn't less than because he's a helper. So, so, so some of the ways that pride manifests itself is independence, and uh, self-sufficiency. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm living independent of God and my spouse, and I could take care of my own needs and problems. All of that is the heart of the demonic, and it's the heart of pride. And it's like you said, wanting to just be served. So That's for men, so, so you, you picked up the women, I'll pick up the men. For most men, it literally is, this is my castle. I am the king of my castle, and I have a throne. All of this is counterfeit. Everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. So some men want to set up their home like the counterfeit of the kingdom of God. The, the Bible says that heaven is the Father's house. A lot of guys are like, well, this is my house. The Bible says that in the kingdom, you know, God sits on a throne. Most guys have a throne, you know, that has a lever. <laughs> with a remote. <laughs> with a remote. And literally, most men are trying to create their home as their own kingdom where they rule and reign as gods. And then they want their wives and kids to serve them. Uh, and they want to be the center of attention. They want everyone to obey them. No one to burden them and everyone then to thank them. And so for men, the heart of pride oftentimes looks like just a bossy guy sitting in a chair with a remote control. Feeling like he's earned that. Feel like he's earned the right to be the king of the castle rather than getting out of the chair and serving the family, which is what Jesus does. So that's pride. It's a demonic trap. It's a demonic tactic. When we first got married, and and not that we've fixed it, I don't think that anyone can ever say, I used to be pride. You know, I used to be prideful. Anybody who says they used to be prideful is probably the most proud of all. (laughs) Um, And so pride is not something that we used to struggle with. It's a constant problem. When we got married early on, I think we quickly learned that two selfish, proud people create a very complicated, painful marriage. (laughs) I think you and I were both proud. And the result of that is we were both selfish in different ways. I masked not wanting to deal with my issues um, through pride and self-righteousness. And I would look down on others because I didn't want to look at my own issues and deal with them because it was easier to judge others. So for many years, I just was self-righteous and prideful. And then I wouldn't have to stop and, and have the Lord bring about repentance and change in my life. And my selfishness and pride was thinking, you know what? You should be taking better care of me. Mm-hmm. Not thinking I should be taking better care of you, mm-hmm. which would be humility. So I was thinking about me instead of thinking about you, much if not most of the time. And then I would get disappointed or frustrated because I didn't feel like I was being served and taken care of. And then you would judge me for being proud and arrogant right. and selfish. So right. that was the that was the fun carnival that we lived <laughs> under the big top of, <laughs> right? And the truth is, we're both right, but it didn't fix the problem. No, the only way to fix it is with the opposite spirit, which is humility. So just like the Holy Spirit casts out unclean spirits, um, so it is humility that casts out pride. 
it was easy for me to serve everyone else. But because I was quick to self-righteously judge your issues, I didn't want to serve you until I saw those things change. And then I could serve you, which isn't service because service is sacrifice. So, okay. So since we're being totally honest, we got nothing else to do. <laughs> um, but I'll, now I'm good. Yeah, you're good. You're healed. You're healed. You're healed. Yeah, we don't even need to rise from the dead. We're already living in that perfect state. Um, and I'll never forget because you weren't encouraging. Right. I was critical. You were very critical. You used to say I was your biggest critic. I said, yeah, I live with my biggest critic. I, I, I literally, I think I told you one year for your birthday or Christmas, this didn't go over well. <laughs> I'm going to buy you a striped shirt and a whistle since you're the referee in my life. <laughs> I think I actually bought you a striped shirt. Yeah, for different reasons. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was because I was proud and I, I not was, am, <laughs> right? I mean, okay, so the, for those of you who are listening, all right, so we met in high school at age 17. I was most likely to succeed, student body president, four-year letterman, man of the year, blah, 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 blah. And on the back of my letterman's jacket, what did it say? Mr. Driscoll. Mr. Driscoll. In because I felt like all the other students were children and I was part of the faculty. <laughs> so I had a great self-esteem. I'd get cuts on the line to hell. I was like Satan's intern. I mean, I was that guy. <laughs> So you saw my arrogance, my pride, and then you decided that you would humble me. Correct. And how were how, how are you doing that? By criticizing you to show you the areas that you were <laughs> sinful. <laughs> and then I thought you were proud for criticizing me and judging me. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, it was amazing. These were the best years. <laughs> Boy, I miss the good old days. <laughs> okay. So, so pride leads to selfishness. Mm-hmm. And humility leads to service. Mm -hmm. And so Satan is proud and selfish. Jesus is humble and a servant. This is what we mean by pulling hell up into your marriage. If you choose pride and selfishness, you're literally pulling the culture of hell up into your marriage. If you choose humility and service, you're inviting the culture of heaven down into your marriage and family and home. That's right. Here's a verse, Jesus, Philippians 2. Do nothing. That's pretty all-inclusive. From selfish, there's the problem, ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. It's not you don't think about yourself, but you think about them first, you think about them most. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, what's in it for me? What do I want? What do I need? Did you help with the dishes? How is our sex life? How much money are you earning? You know, did I get my best life? Did I get my awesome vacation? but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This mindset only comes for those who have their minds renewed in Christ and have the mind of Christ. Apart from Jesus, there is no humility. Absolutely. Apart from Jesus, there is no servant disposition. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. There's a story in the Bible where they come to Jesus, a couple of his disciples do, they say, we want to be the greatest. How do we do it? What's amazing is Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He redirects them. He says, well, you want to be the greatest? They say, yeah, we do. He said, then be the servant. Mm -hmm. It's the opposite of what we see in culture. It's the absolute. We live in a culture where the goal is to make enough money and get enough fame that everybody serves you. Mm-hmm. And the God that we worship was worshiped by angels, served by angels and divine beings in heaven, came down to wash feet and to serve us. And he serves us by dying on the cross. I mean, he, he serves us to the end. From Isaiah 40 to 66, over and over and over, he is called the suffering servant. So he comes to serve us through his suffering. 
And so let me just sort of land the plane for you. There are really only three kinds of marriages. Two proud people, a proud person and a humble person, or two humble people. The first creates war. Okay, so let's talk about the proud and the proud. Two proud people, how does that work? It just is war constantly, no joy, constant criticism. You're not building each other up, you're beating each other up. Always competing, always keeping score, always punishing. I'm going to win. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to win. It's, 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 a, it's an unhealthy competitiveness toward domineering, overbearing, two proud people. Mm-hmm. Okay. What happens if you get one proud person, one humble person? It's abusive to the humble person. Explain how that works. Because the humble person is wanting to serve and grow and love the other person. And the proud person isn't willing to learn how to do that in return. They just take it all and feel like they deserve it. And so they keep taking and never giving. I had a conversation with a pastor some years ago. Um, won't say their name. Um, I was having a conversation with him. He's having a problem with his marriage. And I said, well, I, I just said it. I mean, because, you know, it's my spiritual gift is being offensive. But I just said, you're proud. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I've been around you and your wife. When it's time for dinner, guess where you're going, where you want to go. When it's time to watch a television show, guess what you're going to watch, what you want to watch. When it's time to go on vacation, guess what kind of vacation you're going to take, the vacation you want. I said, "I, I know you and your wife well enough that I've observed you for a number of years. Every time she wants something and you want something else, she does what you want. That's pride. That's selfishness. That's not serving. And I said, uh, I said, what comes to mind? Things that your wife has always wanted to do that you've just said no because you're selfish. And he's, he literally, he's like, oh, well, you put it that way. I mean, it was like the scroll of Isaiah. The dude had a list just off the top of his head. I'm surprised he knew. <laughs> well, he'd never put it in the category of being selfish mm-hmm. and proud because he was a Bible teacher and a pastor and a servant of God. And, and you can have a lot of verses and not have a lot of humility. Sometimes mm-hmm. the people with the most verses have the least humility. That's why the guys who show up to argue with Jesus quote scripture where they're arguing with God. Yeah, the Pharisees. They have verses, but they have no humility. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes the most proud people are the most religious people, and sometimes they quote the most verses to defend their arrogance. If you get a proud person and a humble person, you get an abusive relationship. Win-lose. If you get two proud people, it's Mm lose-lose. You lose, I lose. This is how, just so you know as well, this is how you know something is demonic, everybody loses. This is how you know something is of the flesh. Somebody wins, somebody loses. This is how you know something's of the spirit. Everybody wins. That's right. So the third option, two proud people, lose-lose, conflicted war, proud and humble, abusive, win-lose, two humble people. It's a blessing to be married, and God's going to continue to bless it. Have, have, have you and I ever had crisis marriage counseling with two humble people? No. <laughs> how many times have we had the proud and the proud declare an emergency and we had to get in the middle? Yeah. Numerous. How many times have we had the proud and the humble and we're trying to protect the humble person from the proud person and and get the proud person to become humble? Yeah, too many times. I've never seen a DEFCON 5 nuclear meltdown marriage with two humble people. And they correct things quickly because they're both willing to learn and grow and love each other. It's at the core. They believe that God is in charge of their marriage and they want to be under God's authority and work toward 
how to best love and serve each other. So humble people are teachable. Humble mm-hmm. people will course correct. Humble people are willing to say it was my fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, Proverbs comes to mind, you know, rebuke a fool and he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will thank you. Sometimes yeah. you don't even know if somebody is foolish or evil and proud or humble and wise until there's a conflict. Yeah. And their response reveals their disposition, their character. Mm -hmm. And so if it's like, you know, that wasn't very nice and they defend themselves rather than apologizing, okay, now we've got pride. If you're listening to this, the question is, number one, which describes you? There's a sliding scale of pride and humility, of selfish and servant. We're all somewhere on that scale. But you yourself, where are you? And then where is your spouse? And if your score is not good before you deal with their pride and selfishness, you've got to own, confess, admit, apologize for your own pride and selfishness. I'll just close with this. For those that are in a marriage where one or both of them are proud, what happens to the intimacy, the emotional, spiritual, sexual intimacy? It's absent or abusive. So how would it be absent? Because you can't emotionally connect when you're both trying to get something from each other. That's not a deep heart connection um, that is godly. It's just selfish. You can do that with anybody. The reason why we get married is to have a deep, intimate connection, whether it's physical or emotional or both, ideally. Um, And so... Yeah, it's not. So let's say one person is proud and selfish. The other is more humble and a servant. What kind of emotional, physical, sexual relationship results? That's abusive because the humble person feels used just for that. So oftentimes you're thinking, you know, we have a sexual problem. You may have a pride problem. Mm-hmm. We have a communication problem. You may have a pride problem. Um, you know, we have a respect problem. You have a pride problem. Yeah. Whatever your problem is, if you look under the problem, the problem under the problem is usually pride, which leads to selfishness. And here's the big idea from the Win Your War podcast series. It's demonic. And when you're inviting a demonic form of relationship into the marriage, it literally feels like you're living in hell. And the opposite of that, Jesus comes down from heaven. The Holy Spirit comes down from heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, starting in our homes with our marriages as it is in heaven. When we repent of our pride and we receive the humility of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, that powerful spirit of humility in Jesus casts out that selfish spirit of pride and it allows a growing intimacy around two servants who are humble, learning from Jesus to be humble servants. And here's what I'm telling you. It improves your communication. It improves your emotional intimacy. It culminates in your sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm. That if you're having problems, look for the pride and you'll ultimately find the root of the problem. And that is spiritual warfare in marriage. Humility doesn't look for a reward. The reward in humility is to serve. I'll just leave it at that. Thanks, babe. We want to share a huge thanks to you for listening to today's podcast. For more information on this podcast and all the wonderful marriage content from the EXO Podcast Network, visit exomarriage.com slash realmarriage. We'd also love for you to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next week, God bless.